0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. DW, Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Pickle park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rockin' the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby says you wanna go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre Gang. Padre gang. Started back rockin' the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Rockin' them down. Mitchell and asked with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre Gang. Yeah, they Good day, everybody. Welcome to episode two hundred and twenty-one of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. Holy cow, this team. This offense sucks right now. Um, Just uh, that's all I can say right now. Just starting it off here. Holy cow. Uh, The Padres just got swept by the Cleveland Guardians. Lost yesterday. Left 10 guys on base in that game. Lost today. 7-0. They had a former Padre and Cal Quantrill come in here and uh, celebrate like he won the World Series. In the seventh inning today on the mound he used to pitch on. Uh, just it's embarrassing right now, this offense. Um, we'll get to these two games, talk about these two games against Cleveland. Nine runs the Padres have scored in their last six games. And in those six games, they played the Guardians, the Nationals, and the Marlins, right? Like, terrible. Um, Let me know your thoughts in the comments uh, as I give my thoughts. Uh, We're going to start with the Tatis stuff first. Uh, I just want to get that out of the way. And then I'll get to the two Guardians games. Um, Because obviously the Tatis comments, like those are the huge thing. And I gave my thoughts on the pregame show yesterday, but not everyone watches the pregame show live or on replay. So uh, I'm going to give my Tatis thoughts first. And then... We'll, we'll get into these two Guardians games. Holy cow. Uh, so we're starting with Fernando here. By the way, episode 221. This is brought to you by Gaglion and Bro's Famous cheese steaks and Garlic Fries. They're located inside Petco Park, Friars Road, and they'll be in Snapdragon Stadium. Uh, you can visit com to view their uh, entire menu, the addresses, phone numbers, all that stuff. Great garlic chai. See, I can't even talk right now. I'm so mad. Great garlic fries and cheesesteaks. I recommend you check them out if you have not already. All right, this Tati stuff. So he obviously talked to the media yesterday, and he apologized. I thought it was very heartfelt. Gave his thoughts on what happened, kind of clarified some things about the timeline, when he tested positive, what he was using, why he was using it, um, which I thought was good as well. Uh, He also unveiled that he's going to have shoulder surgery. I thought that was a very good um, thing to do to start, you know, gaining trust back from fans and from the front office and from some of his teammates, right? Um, I don't think – I was saying this on the radio with John and Jim uh, yesterday when they had me on. I don't think you can be mad about Fernando's apology. I don't think you can be – I don't think you can not think this is the, a step in the right direction uh, from what we heard from Fernando, right? Like his opening statement, there was nothing prepared. He probably had something prepared in his mind, but there was nothing prepared like written down or anything like that, right? Uh, it looked like he was going to cry at some points, saying, I have failed. There's no one else but myself uh, but to blame. He was only pointing fingers at himself, no one else. Uh, And this was the first time we heard from him, right? It was family members and reporters talking for him. Now we hear it from him himself. uh, And according to him, the discussions with teammates and stuff, that went well. Um, Tough love is how he was describing it. Said he was dealing with that skin infection. He got the medication in June, was not from the medical staff. It was from home in the Dominican. Uh, He tested positive in late July, and so he was playing in those rehab games knowing that he was probably going to be done for the season, but he was appealing. He even admitted during his media scrum yesterday, he didn't really know much about the appeal process, so that's why he did appeal for it, and he had a team around him. He didn't elaborate on who that team was, maybe it was... Part of part of the team was his dad. We don't know. Uh, but he had a team that advised him to appeal, I guess. And then they advised him to stop the appeal and just start the suspension because he wasn't going to win the appeal. Um, I don't understand why he didn't check with the San Diego trainers and medical staff. Because, obviously, if he tested positive for it in July. He took it in June from the DR like he was with the team rehabbing. Remember, this is the middle of this season when he did this. Like you have your the training staff at your disposal. You have all of these resources at your disposal and you didn't use them. You know, I don't want to sit here and just bash Fernando because I've already done that plenty of times uh since that news came out. But I'm my, I'm still uh just My mind, it boggles my mind that Fernando didn't check with doctors and all that, you know, didn't check with trainers. It's not like he only has Google at his disposal, like some of us humans, you know, I know we have doctors, but like literal team trainers, we don't have that, right? He had that. He had all that, those resources and he didn't check. So that's on him. And what I liked about it was he's, he was accountable. It's on me. I failed my country. I failed my teammates, Preller, Seidler, fans. Uh, I understand fans are going to be mad at me. I understand that. Um, you know, I'm only 23 years old, but that's not an excuse for anything. Like he was upfront and took accountability. And so I absolutely love that from Fernando. Um, I think, again, it was a positive step in the right direction. It's going to be a long path to Fernando gaining back that trust from. A lot of fans, I think. I know that there's a lot of fans that are back on the Team Fernando train and I am definitely starting to be back on that train. Um I'm not gonna wear his jersey still this season, uh, because he what he did hurt this year's team, you know. Next year when he comes back, like I, I've accepted his apology, but I'm also not gonna forget what he did, right? What's that saying? You can Forgive, but you're not going to forget. Like, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Let me know where you guys are at in the comments. Um, I think a lot of fans are going to forgive Fernando. He has tons and tons of time to redeem himself on the field. But, you know, there was all this talk, right, when the Padres got Juan Soto. And they were expecting Fernando to be back. The media and other people were like, hey, this is going to be the best chance for the Padres to win a World Series. In the next few years, well, now it's probably not. Or if it did, or if it is, then the chances of them winning just aren't as good anymore. And it's because of the choices that Fernando has made, you know. So uh, it's disappointing. This whole thing has been disappointing, obviously. But from Manny's comments, Musgrove's comments, uh, Tatis's comments, Preller's comments um it seems like they're starting to forgive him it seems like uh they heard what they wanted to hear from fernando they probably got more information than we did so they're probably even happier with fernando than we are uh, and it's positive steps you know it's look there's many steps in this process right but it's positive you know um so that's my big takeaway from fernando's comments uh, getting the shoulder surgery is another big one, right? I already talked about that a little bit. Like, that's just gaining trust. Uh, you talk about stability and wanting to be there for your team when you can return. At some point next year, when your suspension's up, getting the shoulder surgery helps your chances of staying on the field, right? Stabilizes that left shoulder. Um, I know that there's that talk that, hey, Bellinger, is this the same surgery that Bellinger took where Bellinger. He's kind of fallen off, you know, but I I feel like Fernando, I believe he's younger than Bellinger uh, and he's just a different athlete than Bellinger is. I think Bellinger to me seems more stiff. I don't know if if that's just me. Um, Tatis just feels more of um, an athlete to Bellinger. And so I think that he can compensate for whatever, whatever limitations he has from the surgery. I don't know. I'm not a surgeon. I don't know. Uh, but the, I know there has been questions about the surgery and if that's going to affect him. It'll probably affect him at first. And he's going to have to get used to it. But in terms of uh, stabilizing that left shoulder, like, yeah, this is a good idea. I think it's a good decision that he made. He didn't want to do it, but now part of it is him regaining that trust from his team. Because remember, this was a team-recommended shoulder surgery that Fernando said that he didn't want to do. Um, he was asked, I believe, yesterday from the me- by the media, what made you want to change your mind? And I don't really buy this response. He was saying, based on the way I was coming back and taking swings in Double A, I just didn't feel right. Well, maybe that, a little of that maybe might be true. But remember, he did double and triple that one game before he got suspended. So he did look good, you know. So I think it's I think a big part of it is regaining that trust back and committing, hey, I want to help this team as much as I possibly can when I come back. So I'm going to take this surgery if that's what it takes to, you know, greater my chances or I don't know if that's a word, uh increase my chances of staying on the field, you know. Uh, and he's staying at in San Diego during the offseason, uh, most of it, uh, he's probably, he'll probably go back home at some point, but staying in San Diego most of the offseason, so he, he's making all of the right decisions, taking all of the right steps to start regaining trust. A lot of steps to be taken, but he's taken a few big ones, talking to Seidler, teammates, Preller, the media, and really sounding remorseful you know, in his apology. All right, let's get to some thoughts on this here. Uh Again, I will get to the padres Guardian series here in just a moment. The 2023 schedule is out as well, so I'll get to that near the end. Uh, I am scheduled to interview someone that was in the dugout yesterday when Fernando talked to the media uh, tomorrow, so hopefully that'll come out some point tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. Um, let's get through some comments here. JD's Third says, People will feel the way they feel about Nando, some will never forgive him in the baseball world. Some in San Diego will. I don't like he's stuck with the ringworm story. It is what it is. Maybe that actually was the story, you know? Like, Hector Gomez's report said that he tested positive for it in March, even though Tatis said in a statement that he didn't test positive for it in March. Uh, Hector said that Fernando... Was trying to hide his motorcycle accident, and based on all the lying that had happened, I did seem to believe that it did look like he was lying. But now you hear from Tatis that that March timeline was incorrect, and the timeline actually was June, July. I don't know how much I want to believe Hector Gomez's report, you know. And he did; he's he's the one that did fall for some fan on Twitter just messing with people, saying that Fernando's uh, mural. In Ocean Beach, I think is where it is, uh, was taken down. You know, uh, it's like no, it wasn't. Fans are just fooling around, and Hector Gomez fall, fell for it, and now he looks like an idiot. You know, so I don't know how, much, how I don't know how much I want to, uh, think that the ringworm story is totally false now. But you know, with the track history, the lying, and all that, yeah, I could. If you want to think that, definitely, you can think that this ringworm stuff isn't true uh but from what i saw i watched the whole video posted by marty caswell on her youtube the other day uh of when fernando talked and it looked like what he was saying was the truth i know he's lied in the past and i'm not saying it's okay to lie i'm not i'm not i, I, I stand by the words whatever i said bashing him when he does lie and when he did lie because That's not what a leader of a Major League Baseball franchise or the face of Major League Baseball should be doing, right? But I do trust what he said yesterday to the media. O-Side Patriot 7060 says, I got to say he did man up yesterday, so I got to forgive him, just my opinion, okay? Okay. Lizzie says, a lot of people are saying Tati stepped up and took accountability, but, I mean, was he going to not say that at the press conference? Time will tell. You're right, but, hey, the only thing we can judge right now is what Fernando said. Those were his first public comments, like, on camera since he was suspended, you know? As time will go on, there will be more actions that we can judge him on, but right now, all I can do is judge him on what he said Uh, and that he took accountability and that he's, he is taking the right steps and that Manny and Musgrove are behind him. Now Musgrove, I'm not saying he wasn't behind him, but he wasn't speaking as fondly of Fernando when the suspension happened, um, you know, compared to after he talked to Musgrove and his teammates in the clubhouse yesterday, you know, actions do speak louder than words. I agree, but the words are what we have right now, you know, in terms of the steps taking the st- the right steps. All right, let's get to this Padres Guardians series. Holy cow, this game. We'll talk about today's game, first we'll talk about yesterday's game, talk about the 2023 schedule. Today's game absolutely sucked. Padres lost 7 to nothing to the Cleveland freaking Guardians. I'm not saying the Guardians suck. But, holy cow, I mean, the offense couldn't do anything. Blake Snell was pretty bad today. Usually, I said this in my post-game reaction, which is up on the social medias and at Talking Friars and on this YouTube channel. I was saying how Blake Snell, usually when he's bad, he's bad because he just can't stay inside the stinking strike zone, you know? Today, he was staying inside the strike zone most of the time. Uh, he just couldn't put batters away. And he gave up home run. He gave up three bombs. Jose Ramirez, his second home run that, uh, off Snell today, I'm, th- I think that was a good pitch. I'm giving that one to Jose Ramirez. That ball was at his shins, and he hit that over the fence. You know, But the other ones, they were left over the middle of the plate. And uh, just couldn't put batters away. Tons of foul balls. 43 pitches in that fourth inning, and he got one out. Didn't make it out of the fourth. Through less than 80 pitches, and you had Stephen Wilson, Wilson had to come in on his birthday and throw a bunch of pitches to save some of this bullpen. Josh Hader, he did look good today. I wanted to say that. The clips are out. Social media, at Talking Friars on Twitter. Um, Josh Hader, fastball was there. Breaking ball was there. The location was there. Yeah, he threw some balls outside the zone, gave up a hit or maybe a couple hits, but he struck out or all three outs in that eighth inning that he pitched were all strikeouts. He looked much better. I know it was 7 nothing, so if you don't want to judge anything off of that, feel free, whatever. You can think whatever you want. But I'm encouraged by what I saw from Josh Hader today. It's still in a game, and it looks like they found what's wrong. You saw him talking with Ruben Niebla uh, after his outing was over. It looked like they've been talking a lot over the last few days, and they know what's going on here. And so I'm encouraged by what I saw from Josh Hader today. As for Snell, he did not look good. I've already talked about that. Um, You know, the Guardians hitters were aggressive. A lot of foul balls, deep at-bats. So credit to them, I guess, a little bit. And I guess you got to give credit a little bit as well to Snell for consistently throwing strikes. Let me look at how many strikes he threw here. So 79 pitches, 57 were strikes. So he did throw a good amount of strikes, uh, just not putting guys away. Giving up that home run to Jose Ramirez in the first, another one in the fourth, and then I I believe they went back-to-back. Oscar Gonzalez, he homered uh, yesterday as well. He homered uh, on that line drive to left there after Ramirez homered. That made it 3-0 Cleveland. And then there was the single... By Luke Maley. Naylor scored after stealing second on Snell. I didn't like that at all. Um, we know Naylor's not the fastest guy on the planet, right uh and then, when Steven Wilson came in, Quan doesn't even fully swing, and he drives in two runs there, made it six nothing. then it was seven nothing. Jose Ramirez sack fly uh, with Jose Castillo on the mound. The game was over after Snell left the game, like because of the way this offense is performing, you knew the game was over like. Holy, it was, it was just a long watch. A long game, a long game to watch. Um, I guess congratulations to Jose Castillo for getting his first strikeout since August of 2019 in the big leagues. Uh, congratulations to Hayter for bouncing back today like I just talked about. Uh, but, yeah, Snell did not pitch great. And obviously the offense. The offense, these last two games. Not just these last two games, but... This Guardian series is what we're talking about right now. You thought after the Tatis uh, media thing yesterday that the Padres would put that Tatis drama behind them. I'm not saying that they haven't, but you'd think that they'd be like, okay, we got this weight off our backs. Now let's go score some runs. And then they lost last night with 10 guys left on base, one for eight, I believe, with runners in scoring position. And then today... I know they didn't have Soto either, either of these two games with the back stuff. And Bob Melvin, I guess, according to the media today, after the game, said he doesn't know the availability of Juan Soto for Friday against Kansas City, which is concerning, obviously. But they still have talent. They still have enough talent here to score some runs. They still have enough talent to have better at-bats than the at-bats that, that, that they're showing right now. I said it in my post-game reaction today, just watching these at-bats. Crony's my favorite player. Anyone who knows me knows that. But, you know, earlier in the game, uh, maybe it was his first at-bat. Fastball down the middle, fouls it off. You know, the good teams, that ball goes like 400 feet, you know. Um, Will Myers, last out of the game, hanging breaking ball. Strike three, looking, bye. Trent Grisham, five straight strikeouts. Four strikeouts yesterday, struck out in his first at-bat today. I think it was the third inning. All three guys struck out. Too many strikeouts and balls that are over the middle of the plate, down the middle. They're fouling them off. They're not capitalizing on those mistakes by the opposing pitchers. You know, Um, Will Myers earlier in this game. I forget what at bat it was, what inning, but ball two feet inside, and he swings at it first pitch, out. I think that that ended an inning. Like I I like I like the aggressiveness. I think that more guys need to be aggressive but be aggressive at the fastballs down the middle be aggressive at the strikes inside the strike zone i'm not saying be aggressive at pitches two pitches in or two feet inside you know swing at smart pitches be aggressively smart if that makes sense you know not this dumb dumb pitch selection to me you know or swing pitch selection you know tighten that up please uh Machado, one of his at bats, swung through a fastball. I know it's gonna happen. I'm not saying that they have to be perfect all the time, but it's a trend going back to the Miami series where they had Soto and Manny on with no outs first and second, and Bell, Crony, and Myers all struck out. I believe that's who struck out. You know, it's a trend. It keeps happening, keeps happening, keeps happening. That that's where it's frustrating, you know? Um, Anyone that wants to say, oh, fire Michael Bedard. Like, I bet most of you guys in this chat don't even know who Michael Bedard is. If he was walking down the street next to you, you wouldn't be able to identify who he is. I've talked to him twice a couple times. or Yeah, I've talked to him twice this year. uh, And those couple times that I talked to him, he was good. He was a good guy. Um, I know that doesn't mean anything about him being a pitching or a hitting coach. He's not the problem, I don't think. You know? At the end of the day, it's the guys on the field, the guys swinging the bats or not swinging the bats in some cases that are the problem, you know? Swing at better pitches and capitalize on those pitches when you do swing at them. That's my problem right now with this offense. And Obviously, Guardians had how many home runs this series? Like six? How many? Or five? Three home? Did they have three home runs today, two home runs yesterday? The Padres... Didn't hit a home run this series. They scored one run in this two-game series with the Guardians against Aaron Savali and then Cal Quantrill. It's not like they had to go face DeGrom and Scherzer. Yeah, Quantrill pitched good today, but part of the reason he pitched good uh, is because of some of the pitches that the Padres swung at today. You know? So just a terrible, terrible game to watch. Uh, I mean, hopefully... I mean, they, they've had two off days in this week. They had one Monday. They're going to have one tomorrow. And this week they are one and two if you count Sunday when they won, and they won that game after some tremendous defense from Profar and Kim. You know it, this game just sucked. Um, you know Quantrill. Let me bring up that situation real quick. It was, I want to say the seventh inning. Yeah, seventh inning. Yeah, the bases bases loaded. Drury was on third, I believe. Kim was on second. Grisham was on first after walking. Mound visit, and then Alfaro strikes out swinging, and Quantrill acted like the Guardians just won the World Series. And people on Twitter were like, relax, it's the Padres. Well, guess what? Usually, you know, two weeks ago, three or whenever we got Soto that Wednesday night, we would have, if this situation came up, Cal Quantrill would have had a right to be celebrating his butt off uh, after leading, leaving the bases loaded, you know? because of how great this offense was looking. But I think Padre fans are, they're, they, have, they have good reasoning to say, relax, Cal, it's the Padres. Because the Padres offense is not playing well right now. You know, they're not hitting, they're not clicking. You know, so, yeah. Relax, Cal, it's only the Padres offense. Like, that's a bad thing to, for me to be saying right now. Just think about that. Like, relax, it's only the Padres. We shouldn't be saying that. We should be saying, no, you should be celebrating because that's a great thing you just did. If you're Cal Quantrill, you were able to lead the bases loaded. That's not a big feat anymore, the way this offense is. like, It's almost expected from some fans now. Yeah, they're going to lead the bases loaded. Yeah, Alfaro's going to go strike out a pitch down and into the dirt. Non-competitive pitch. Yeah, he's going to go flailing at it. You know, Same thing with Myers last night, by the way. That's what it felt like. Uh, just... The approaches just suck right now. I think. So that was today's game, seven nothing. If there's anything else you want me to bring up about today's game or talk about, let me know. Um, again, I was encouraged by Hater, but obviously everyone's pissed off about the offense and Blake Snell. So that was the big focus of you know today's game. Obviously, let me get to some comments before talking about Tuesday's game, which I guess was better. They scored a run. They didn't get shut out. All right. Jason asks, are you worried about Trent Grisham? He did strike out four times yesterday. Um, If I said I wasn't worried about him, I think people would say that I'm an idiot. Uh, I'm a little, but I'm not like totally worried about him, if that makes sense. Like, um, I don't know why he has the double like toe tap now or the toe tap and, and then a load. In 2020, 2021, he had the higher leg kick. His stance was taller. Now it's not as tall, and if you go look at video, his he toe taps, and then he loads. I don't know why he's doing that. Um, you know, when you have to bunt with two strikes, I think that definitely shows that you're not totally confident in yourself at the plate. Um, yeah, I'm worried about Trent a little bit, but I'm not worried in Trent as much as I am About like this offense as a whole, if that makes sense, when they have to go up against the Dodgers and stuff like if they're not being able to score some runs here against the Guardians and capitalize off of Nationals pitching, then what are they going to do when they have to face the Dodgers nine times in September and they have to face the Cardinals and the Giants again? And, you know, like, what are they going to do then or if they make the postseason? Remember, I said if because there's no guarantee. I still think they will. Um I think they're going to turn it around still. I know people can say I'm an idiot for that, but I still think they will. But what are they going to do if they make the postseason and they have to face all good pitchers, right? That's where I'm more concerned. I'm not concerned totally about one individual player. It's more of the the collective effort, you know? Yeah, Quan asked, how many first, I think he's saying first pitch fastballs did the Padres take today? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I was watching, but I did not count personally. Um, but yeah, it felt like they were taking more first pitch strikes yesterday than today. But yeah, it's still bad. And Jason saying Jason says the Padres need that off day tomorrow clear their heads. They had the off day on Monday. What did that do? You know, they lost yesterday and today. All right, let's get to Tuesday's game. Padres lost this one. 3-1, 10 left on base. Brandon Drury was ejected because the home plate umpire, Stu Sherwater, or Stu S. is what some fans are calling him, um, made a really, really bad call on ball four, took the bat right out of his hands, took first base right out of Brandon Drury's hands. Um, I saw in Kevin Acey's newsletter today that yesterday was the Padres' eighth straight game. They've had two or less hits with runners in scoring position. I got to see what they did today. Team runners in scoring position today for the Padres. 0 for 9. Left 7 on base. So, yeah. They are... That's now 9 straight games for the Padres. uh, That they've had 2 or less hits with runners in scoring position. Not good. Not good at all. Going back to yesterday's game here. If my phone's going to load, thank you. So... Hedgy came back. I say Hedgy like I like the guy. Hedges struck out twice. The old Hedges was back. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez homered off of Clev. Andres Jimenez homered off of Clev. Clevenger pitched well. He only gave up two hits. Both of them were home runs. That was the only problem. Well, the only problem for him. The major problem, obviously, was the offense, like I talked about. Um, Multiple opportunities. First inning, Josh Bell smashed one to the second baseman. Not mad at him about that. Uh, but they still didn't score there, Facts or facts. Uh, later in the game, Manny popped out. Uh, I want to see what inning that was. It was the sixth, seventh? Uh, they had... No, 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 that was the... In the fifth, Crony was on first, Manny lined out to center. Then Alfaro struck out. In the sixth, three up, three down, Myers struck out swinging. This is, okay, bottom seven. It was bottom seven. Okay, so Grisham, right, he struck out four times yesterday. One of them was with two strikes. I'm not even mad at him about that because he probably would have struck out anyway swinging, or he would have just not swung at strike three. He feels like he's doing that a lot, and it's because it's true. Kevin Ac said in his newsletter today, that Trent Grisham leads the league in strikeouts looking this season. Uh, so, yeah, not a, that's not a great stat to be the leader in. But in the seventh year yesterday, Nola singled, Profar walked, so now they got first and second here. Wars struck out looking, can't do that. And then Manny popped out weakly to second base. That was another opportunity stranded, right? Um, bottom eight. Had runners on first and second, Grisham struck out swinging. There was another opportunity, or that would probably be their that would be their last opportunity, really, when you think about it, because you have Emmanuel Clase coming in in the ninth inning, throwing a hundred one mile an hour cutters. The game's over, you know. So, yeah, really bad, bad game. You can't expect to win games when uh, you're not converting. With runners in scoring position, one for eight. With runners in scoring position yesterday, when you leave on ten guys on base, sorry, can't can't expect to win. You know, the bullpen pitched fine. Chris Matt, Garcia, Hill gave up one run combined. Hill gave up a run, but it was not earned. Um, you know, Clevenger, like I said, gave up two home runs. Only two hits he allowed. The offense just didn't do anything, and yeah, maybe it was a shock to them that oh Juan Soto was scratched last minute with the back tightness or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, when you're in the box, you're still trying to hit. You know, it doesn't matter what Juan, if Juan Soto's in the game or not. Sure, it would have helped, but still, weren't going to win the game, I don't think. But I like what I saw out of Clev. Don't like what I've seen out of the offense, obviously. Nine runs in the last six games, they're five and seven in the last twelve games, and those twelve games, guess who their opponents have been. the Guardians, the Marlins, the Nationals. really? It's not like they're playing the Dodgers or the Cardinals or the Mets. These are teams they went five and five against the the Marlins and the Nationals. you know that's not good enough. And uh now we can look at. Milwaukee schedule because now the Padres have three straight series on the road. Padres go to Kansas City, San Francisco, LA. If we look at the Brewers schedule, let me pull that up real quick. They play the Dodgers tonight. I think right now the Padres are two games up, or no, one game up on the Brewers for the final wild card spot because Brewers have not played tonight. They play, I think, at seven tonight. Or six, whenever it is. Uh, but the Brewers are six o'clock. Yeah. After today, the Brewers, they get to play the Cubs, the Pirates, the Diamondbacks, and the Rockies in six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then their next 12 games Cubs, Pirates, Diamondbacks, Rockies. Two games against San Francisco, who aren't going to make the postseason. Then they get to play three more against St. Louis. Or excuse me, not St. Louis, uh, Cincinnati and then two against St. Louis and Yankees-Mets. So there's a tough stretch there. But then they go right back to playing Cincinnati, uh, two games against St. Louis, but then they finish off with Miami and Arizona. Like, they got a much easier schedule, I think, than the Padres do. Padres do have that advantage, like, run um, head-to-head advantage, but you got to have the same record as them to have that advantage if you're going to make the postseason, you know? So this offense needs to turn it around. You're not going to be winning these games if you leave 10 on base um, and stuff like that and uh, can't cash in on these opportunities when you're playing teams like the Dodgers, Mariners, Cardinals over this, you know, last month of baseball, last month and a couple weeks of baseball. You're not going to. Because guess what? Those teams have offenses that will cash in on opportunities. And you can't expect the pitching staff to be perfect all of the time. You know, you just can't. So, uh, yeah, really, really disappointing these last two games against the Guardians. I'm going to go through these comments here, and then we'll talk about the 2023 Padres schedule that came out today. Jason says, this morning, AC wrote, the Padres' 231 batting average and 366 slugging percentage at home are both fourth lowest in the majors. Ouch. Yeah, that's bad. By the way, if you want to support this channel, you can use that Super Chat button on YouTube and on regular videos, or if you're on replay, you can use the Super Thanks button. I appreciate your support. Um, keep the faith, man. That, that's what I would say. Like, I still think this team is going to make the postseason. If they don't, it'll be very, very disappointing. It will be embarrassing. Literally. It, will literally, it would be totally embarrassing. And uh, I will say I was wrong. But I'm keeping the faith. I am deciding to um continue to believe in this team. Uh JD's third says sad, but they will be knocked out early by the Brewers by or they'll be knocked out by early September. Brewers have earlier scheduled down the stretch. Ours is brutal. Yeah, I just talked about that. Um I know that. Early September, that's not happening. Because uh I, I just don't think what is knocked out is that five games. That that is big, um, but the Padres right now they still have a game lead, and then I was about to say game and a half, game lead I think right now, and depending on what happens today, could be zero, could be game and a half again. Uh, the Padres would have to lose a lot. I know they have, but they'd have to continue losing a lot, and the Brewers would have to win a lot. For the Padres to be knocked out in early September, I think it would be mid-September at the latest. Because remember, there is they do play into October because of the delay starting in the season, you know. So I, I think they'd be if they do get knocked out. I don't think it would be early September. All right. Shall we look at the Padres' 2023 schedule? Get our minds off of this year's team right now and look at next year. So next year, there's changes, and I like these changes, to be honest. Padres are playing every team in baseball. They'll either be coming here or the Padres will be going there. There will not be 19 games against divisional opponents. There will be 13. So don't have to see the Dodgers as much. Don't have to see the Rockies as much. uh, Coors Field. We know how that has gone. Um, so that's good. And I'm you know, tired of just seeing NL West opponents a lot at the end of the year because that's what it feels like it is. Um, some key series. I mean, opening day, got the Rockies at home, four-game series, then two games against the Diamondbacks. And then they go to Atlanta, New York, come back home, Milwaukee for four, Rays for three. Then at Arizona, at Chicago, uh, host the Giants. Uh, I'll just go through all the opponents, and then I'll talk about who I think or what's going to be the toughest month, series to look forward to. So May at Cincinnati, or excuse me, versus Cincinnati, versus the Dodgers for three, at Minnesota for three, at Min- or at the Dodgers for three. So they'll play the Dodgers uh, six times in that like week or so span. Royals at home for three. At or excuse me, hosting Boston for three. There's off days in between these series. I'm just saying who they play. Um, then they go on the road, Washington, Yankees. Um, I think the last time they were there was 2019. Uh, Marlins for two or for three in Miami back home and start and then in June back home to face the Cubs and Mariners. Then they go on the road, Colorado back home to face the Guardians, the Rays, and then. Four on the road in San Francisco. Three at home against Washington. Three at Pittsburgh. And then moving into July, they've got three at Cincinnati. And then before the All-Star break, they host the Angels. Maybe we'll have Otani. Maybe the Angels will have Trout. Still, who knows? Uh, Maybe there'll be a new owner there. Then they host the Mets for three. Then they got the All-Star break. All-Star games in Seattle, I believe. And then... They uh, start the second half, unofficial second half of the season at Philadelphia, a split doubleheader, or a doubleheader, a planned doubleheader, a four-game series in three days because they gave them that off day that Monday before, three against Toronto, three in Detroit, then back home, Pittsburgh, Texas, on the road, Colorado, back at home against the Dodgers, August 4th through the 7th, and then at Seattle for two, at Arizona, And then pretty long homestand, three against Baltimore, four against Arizona, three against Miami, then at Milwaukee, at St. Louis, hosting the Giants, hosting the Phillies, at Houston, at the Dodgers. So that'll be a tough, probably six-game stretch there. Um, At Oakland, and then their last homestand of the year, uh, hosting Colorado for three, St. Louis for three. And then they go on the road and finish with the Giants and the White Sox. So they finish out their 2023 schedule with the same opponents as they're ending this year's schedule with the Giants and the White Sox. Same order, I believe, too. Uh, just on the road, not at home. Um, in terms of the toughest month, toughest month, uh, man. Probably, I mean, not August. They got they get to play the Marlins, Orioles, and Diamondbacks at one point. The first month looks pretty tough. Um, May's pretty tough. Dodgers, maybe Red Sox are better. Yankees, Minnesota. Right now, I would say March and April. That first month there. End of March through April. September, Houston, LA, but they get to play Oakland, Colorado. I would say either probably... April, those teams play the Rockies, Diamondbacks, Braves, Mets, Brewers, Braves, Diamondbacks, Cubs, Giants, or then September, uh, and and into October, Giants, Phillies, Astros, Dodgers, A's, Rockies, Cardinals, Giants, White Sox. Um, I think this September is a much harder schedule than next year's September, so that's good. It's more. It's a more balanced schedule. They're not going to play the Dodgers as much, so you're seeing that. You're seeing more. Or you're you're seeing the Orioles and you're seeing the A's and teams like that. So that does make their schedule easier, but that also makes the Dodgers' schedule easier and makes any other team's schedule easier, right? So we'll see. I'm excited for it. You know, get to see other see te- different teams. See Boston come in here. Uh, teams. You know that you don't usually see get they get to be here you know i'm excited to see the angels come to san diego i know they're right here you know hour and a half away or whatever uh two hours away but uh they're rarely at petco park and so i think that's good every two years they're gonna you're gonna get to see that al team come when it was once every like four years you know so that's good that is good all right before we end here Comments, any more comments here? P- Greg says, Profar, 158 last 20 games. I'm assuming batting average? He has been slumping, Yet yeah, There's been a lot of guys that aren't hitting well in this lineup. Jason says, oh my gosh, Hosmer will be back in San Diego with the Red Sox. Yeah, people are, count- people are saying that. What game are you most looking forward to? The Padres posted or the series or whatever. And people are like, Hosmer's returned in May. With the Red Sox. The Red Sox are probably gonna try to trade the guy. You know? Like he's not someone that it's like, oh, this is a steal. You know, they're probably gonna try to trade the guy somewhere in the offseason. So I, I I'm not I'm not so sure he'll be on the Red Sox next year. And uh maybe he will return to San Diego, but what if he gets traded to a team like the Twins or something who don't come to the pot? The Padres don't don't come to play at Petco next year, then you're not going to see Osmer here. You know, it's an interesting schedule. Uh, I think it's more balanced. I like it. Some might not, but I do. All right, I think that's going to do it. Episode 221 of the Talking Fires Podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host Ben Fadden. Hopefully, you enjoyed this. Uh, subscribe on the YouTube channel if you have not already. I appreciate that daily Padres content from a Padres fan for Padres fans. I appreciate you listening uh, on the podcast platforms as well. If you are there, social media is at Talking Friars. I use the most, I use social media most uh, on Twitter. That's the one I use most. Sorry, I can't talk right now. <laughs> uh, and Instagram, I use those two platforms the most. Um, uh, covered a lot today. Tatis, his comments, I liked what I heard. You can believe him or not. I'm choosing to believe him more than some fans. Uh, And obviously, two bad games against Cleveland. All right, that's going to do it. Hopefully an interview later this week, maybe tomorrow. See you guys then. Um, Let's go, Padres. Keep the faith off day tomorrow. And then Kansas City Friday, Saturday, Sunday. See ya.